Hi, I'm your host, Connie Aline, and thank you for tuning in to season three of the Fly Behind the Wall podcast. This podcast was created to shed light on the realities of working in U.S. prisons and jails from the perspective of a former prison health services administrator. That's me. Um, My goal really is to discuss topics from week to week that may challenge what you think you know about the world of corrections by simply providing another perspective. It is super, super important to me that I use this platform to recognize the non-uniform staff, also known as civilian workforce, who work day in and day out in corrections with little to no recognition of their commitment and sacrifice. To all, I say thank you, thank you, thank you and the value that you bring to the institution and the populations you serve is immeasurable. So welcome to the Fly Behind the Wall and thank you so much again for joining. Today, we're going to explore some of the things that you need to know as a correctional staffer. Now, I won't say just as a civilian because many of these need to knows are also relevant to the custodial staff. So to any of my custody officers who are listening and supporting the fly behind the wall, I'd like to say thank you for just hearing me out, uh, sort of just hearing another perspective. And I know in some facilities, it may not be the best of relationships with civilian employees, but please know that we are learning, we are on this journey, and you are very valuable to us, right? You are the ones who kind of pull our coattail and remind us where we are, right? And hopefully, certainly, it's in a way that we can receive it well and that we will retain the lesson that you're trying to impart on us. So again, today we will explore some of the need to knows. I don't wanna say how to's, cause they're really just, I don't think they're how to's, but, um, and I think they'll be really helpful. I do hope that my reflections and insights will help you to broaden your understanding of correctional sort of operations, the life of a correctional employee. So just stay tuned. So the correctional environment is unlike any other place that you're going to work in. And that's just a reality of it. You know, um, I think we say, you know, it's different. You know, we we kind of give it that different. But like it's not until you get behind the wall that you truly understand how different it is. And that there are certain uh, aspects of yourself that you didn't even know existed, but you do have to bring them to the table, right? Because just think of it as survival, right? Like, what do I need to do in order to survive in general, right? And then just just throw in sort of the unpredictable nature of the environment, as well as the unpredictable and volatile nature of the population, Right. And that's sort of like this added dynamic that you really don't have, you know, like the decorum that exists in the traditional work environment doesn't necessarily exist here. Right. You know, amongst your colleagues, yes, there's respect, but amongst the inmate population, like they're not your regular patient. They're not your regular um, 
person you would provide a service to. So as a civilian, I think I just want to impress upon you that you can't go in with blinders on and you certainly can't operate in a vacuum. So one of the things that I think you really, really need to be mindful of is your intuition, right? Which I think sometimes we um, may confuse that intuition with just like a general fear or, you know, just, just because you don't may not be familiar, right, with the environment, but it's not the fear, right? Like it is, there's something inside of you that's letting you know something is not right, right? So what I would just say is don't ignore that intuition, that feeling of something feels off, something doesn't feel right today, because typically that's just your body telling you that something's going on in your environment that you might not have picked up on. So understanding that your gut has an instinct for sensing danger. And so whether you are in an administrative area, a housing unit, or any clinical environment, just know that anything could happen at any given time, at any given moment. And you got to always be prepared. Um, I think the next thing that I just want to, you know, sort of bring as a thing that you need to know or something that you should be aware of, or maybe this is more of a tip, you know. Um, so I think we get into a habit sometimes as we're talking with our colleagues if something someone did something or didn't do something sometimes it could just be the frustration of the job or whatever is going on and um so there may be times where you might feel compelled to uh criticize your colleague right this person isn't carrying their own weight or they're not doing something within the policy the procedure they're not following a protocol i would just say please Put aside that feeling, right? Because it does open the door to divide and conquer. And that's certainly not something that we want. We don't want the inmates to be able to see that there's division. We don't want anyone else to see that there is division. You know, there is a productive way to handle someone who is not carrying their own weight, right? There is a productive way to address someone who you feel may not be following the policy or procedure. Maybe they don't know, maybe they're cutting a corner, but I would, you know, urge you to please just go ahead and talk to the person, right? Say, hey, you know, by the way, you know, we're supposed to do X, Y, Z when we do this thing, whatever that thing is. And if the person is receptive, great. If they're not receptive and they seem a little defensive or argumentative, you know, sometimes that just comes with insecurity. They may not know how to receive the advice that you're giving. And other times it could just be, you know, this is how we've always done it. Maybe the best practice, the internal best practice that's not policy is something that they're following. And if you find that it's not being received, then you can take that to a supervisor to say, hey, listen, I was working with Jane the other day. I was working with Tom the other day. This is what transpired. I just wanted someone to be aware. And if I am incorrect in my understanding of what we should or shouldn't be doing, please advise me on that, right? Because it changes the conversation, the tone of the conversation from something accusatory or something that would be, you know, ratting somebody out 
to really just a self-accountability. I am self-aware, right? And so in my awareness that I do a thing a certain way, if I'm doing it wrong, let me know. But also it is how do we protect the team? Because if someone's doing something incorrectly and they never get the feedback to correct it, it leaves us vulnerable. And so, you know, that's something that I think is really important. So try not to criticize your colleagues, but find productive ways to bring forward whatever your concerns are, whatever your questions are, either bring it forward to your colleague first, right? So that they have the ability to respond or give you their explanation. Cause sometimes it could just be an understand, a misunderstanding. And if it doesn't quite go over in that space, then you can escalate it to the next in the chain of command and really have a discussion with them. Um, The next thing I want to kind of talk about is that your personal life should remain personal at all times. And it's not something that should be shared with the inmates, right? Whatever that personal aspect of you is, whether you've got children, a spouse, whether you're having marital problems, somebody's cheating on you, like whatever that is, even if you just start a school, because quite frankly, when inmates are seeking to manipulate and, and they're starting their grooming process, they're not really, I mean, it's a gem when they could get something so super personal that they know they shouldn't know, right? Like, but the things that you discuss with your coworkers shouldn't be discussed in an open forum, right? They're always listening ears. They're always eyes watching. There's always that stuff that's going on. And the population is always looking for that opportunity. How do I get in? How do I establish a commonality? How do I establish a bond with this person? And how do I utilize what I've been able to establish to get something? So just be mindful of the secondary gain that they are typically typically angling for. And as that secondary gain is sort of identified, you can be proactive in addressing that. But the proactive activity that I want to focus on is not bringing your personal life into an open forum discussion where others can hear it and use the information to in any way, shape, or form compromise you. Um, One thing that is more of like a security type Um, need to know, which, you know, I was talking to someone about it the other day because they just couldn't understand, you know, I I have certain habits, you know, as a former prison staffer, right? Like, so when I go out to eat, I try to make sure that I'm closest to the exit, that like I can see what's going on in the room. So I'm usually positioned pretty well to be able to see that. And I do it in like habit. It's not even just... um, Like, I'm not mindful of it. I just do it. And so, you know, as I talk about this particular thing, it is really when you go into an office and you're prepared to start your clinical or whatever your services, right? Whatever discussion or engagement you're preparing to have with the inmates, I would just say be mindful of your positioning in the room and try to make sure that you have immediate access to an exit there's no reason why you should kind of be buried in the room and the inmates have access to the exit right the last thing you want is one an inmate to be able to close the door 
and you're locked in, right? Custody may not know that you're in the room. Or if they do know you're in the room, they now got to try to get a key to unlock that room door to get in to help you. And so from a security perspective, you never want to put yourself in a space where you can be in danger. Now, I've, you know, I'm guilty, right, in the sense of I've had groups um, in in jail setting um, talking about discharge planning and not always mindful, right? Because I think there's a level of complacency that sets in. Oh, they're not going to hurt me. They're never going to do anything. I'm here to provide a service. I'm here to help them. So you just don't know because they are so impulsive or they can be so impulsive. Many times the violations happen because an opportunity has presented, not necessarily because they want to hurt you, right? And so opportunity has presented that this, you know, provider has not this provider has not necessarily um, secured themselves, right? For whatever reason, whether it is they just don't know, it's a matter of complacency, whatever that is, they now have an opportunity to isolate this provider, whether you don't want to be held hostage for any reason, right? Because now you're in a room, you're backed into a corner, it's just you. You may or may not have a body alarm on you may or may not have an escort officer for that day. There's all these variables that can come into play. And so universal precaution as a service provider, you make sure you have easy access to the door and that the inmates can't just close the door with you inside. Someone should always know that you are in a room and that inmate, whoever is coming in the room with you, right? Be very explicit about sharing that because you just wanna know that in the event something pops off that you are in the safest space possible. Um, I have something I think I want to share that's a little controversial, but I think, you know, the more I think about it, it makes sense. And so I would say one of the tips that I would say is to respect the inmates, right? So, and I don't mean like, I'll explain what I'm saying. So the last thing that you want as a service provider, now this is medical, mental health, dental. This is even if you, honestly, I think this is anyone. You don't need to necessarily have an adversarial relationship with the inmates, right? Because the last thing you need is that they bond over their hate for you, right? And so things can go south really quickly when stuff like that happens. So I would just say that when you address the population and you speak respectfully, they will engage with you in the manner you engage with them, right? And I, 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 I firmly believe that, that, you know, we don't necessarily as service providers need to have a power struggle like a power struggle with inmates is unnecessary, right? Like I think by virtue of your title, there is um, authority in that title. And so you don't need to kind of wave it around in any way, shape or form to get compliance if you're giving an inmate a direct order because they know who you are, right? If, If they're not respecting you, there's something else at play in the moment, 
right? And so that's when you involve custody, right? Like, I don't think you need to try to, let me take this, take the matters into your own hands and you're going to figure this out. You're going to fix it. Like, you're going to lose that way. Yes, I think we come in, we have the ability to de-escalate. Some of us know better how to do that than others. Sometimes some of the things we say can create a worse scenario, right? Sometimes the things we may say may escalate the situation. And so to prevent having those sort of unnecessary unnecessary power struggles, it's okay to take a step back. As a, as a civilian, in my mind, it's more important that we set the necessary boundaries to ensure mutual respect and understanding. And that's up front, right? So I'm meeting with Jane Doe. Good morning, Miss Doe. How you doing? All right. This is what we're going to do today. So like you kind of like you address this person by name and I get it. Some, some facilities, some states, they still do inmate number, right? Or, um, I know we do last names. I've seen some places do first name. I don't do first name personally. Cause I don't want them to say, um, Connie, right? Like we don't have that kind of, um, we're not familiar with each other. Right. So I'm Miss Aline. That's who I am. And I'm going to call you Mr. or Miss, whatever your last name is. And so establishing those boundaries, I think, really matter because, quite frankly, a power struggle will only distract you from the purpose of your encounter, right? You're not meeting with this inmate to have drinks, right? Like you're meeting to provide a service. And so you control that encounter. You establish the boundaries. You make sure you know what direction that conversation is going to go. So um, I think some very basic things that I just want to throw in there as far as sort of the things you need to know, you know, I was, it was always impressed upon me to wear comfortable shoes. Like you just never know what's going to happen when. So rubber, rubber sole shoes, that way if anything pops off, you can run one, or if you've got to stand and defend yourself, you're not trying to do that in slippery high heels right? You're not trying to do that with sandals on, with open toes, where someone can step on your toe and cause you to be more vulnerable or cause you to be unstable, right? Um, you want to also make sure that you've got on comfortable clothes, loose clothes that aren't restrictive. And so I know the trend in fashion, there's all the skinny jeans, the tight shirts, all this other stuff. Please leave that for the weekend. Leave that for when you're out of work, simply because coming into a a correctional facility with spaghetti straps, any see-through, anything, any lace, anything, tight clothes that are restrictive, that you can't bend in, you can't move in, it, um, you know, restricts your flexibility, you know, especially from a medical perspective, those codes, you just never know what small tight space you're going to have to get into trying to do that in tight scrubs. It just doesn't work. Um, and I won't even talk about, you know, what that looks like on camera, right? When you're bending over and your pants are so tight and you can't do the work that you need to do because your clothing is restricting your ability to be effective. Um, another thing I I just kind of want to throw out there is, um, the gangs and drugs, right? Like very real in corrections, um, 
I've gone through quite a bit of gang training. I honestly just never wanted to ever have to utilize any of that information. Um, but it's very real. And from what I understand is that it's not gotten better. In many places, the gang activity has gotten worse and the gangs have found, well, in facilities, gangs are called either security risk groups or security threat groups. Um, you know, you just find out what they, how they refer to them in your, in your state or in your facility. Um, but the activity just hasn't really decreased. I think we have intelligence officers who are like truly on point. They, they identify these guys, these girls, men, women, um, and they've got a whole process behind the scenes that they do in order to manage, um, gang activity, gang relations, gang relationships, um, yeah, there's just a whole thing behind that. And so I won't speak to that because that really is a security function. Just know that it exists. And if and, and there should be some in-service training that you experience in your facility that gives you some insight into sort of the, the gang side of the world. And the reason why I bring that forward is that you've got to be intentional about understanding the risk when you're meeting with inmates, when you're walking through the corridors, when you, because like you kind of, we, you know, as civilians, we kind of just walk, right? We have an intention. If we're leaving a particular unit to go to another unit, we've got a job to do. And so we're usually walking and sort of probably zoned in on the next activity we have ahead of us. But if we don't take a moment to really observe or recognize our surroundings the, the folks that are around us, sometimes the inmates are walking up and down the corridor. You know, some spaces, some facilities, you are actually walking outside of your unit to walk to another building. And so you are exposed to gangs and whatever drugs that come into the facility. So put forth an intentional effort to understand the security risk groups, um, their body markings, and their rivals, you know, it is a very real and, and unavoidable element of the environment. You know, I just, I can't Im- I- impress enough that, you know, custody is very diligent about monitoring their movement and activities, but your awareness helps with everyone staying safe. So it kind of just brings me back to, if you see something, you say something, because it is all of our responsibility Um, to bring what we see to the attention of custody because ignorance and complacency can lead to some very negative outcomes. You know, it's just not something that we can afford to sort of turn a blind eye to. You know, there is no place here for deliberate indifference and you've just got to be clear on that. So listen, this walk that you're walking, that we walk, that I've walked is not an easy walk. There is a lot for us to take into account when we go into a facility from day to day. And so I would just implore you to really 
make the effort to learn the environment, to take note, to ask questions, to truly be a student of the industry so that you can have a safe and successful career. So I don't know if you realize this, but I am super passionate about everything corrections, the workforce, the offender population, and the institution. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that the institution is perfect, but it's these conversations that provoke thought and sort of have the potential to inspire the change that we want to see. In the words of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can't do great things, I can do small things in a great way. Just something to think about. Thank you so much for listening as I continue to make my slice of the world a little better. have just listened to the fly behind the wall now available on anchor itunes iHeartRadio, amazon music and other listening platforms be sure to subscribe share and write a review join me next time behind the wall